Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. It's the California Report magazine, and on today's show, we meet a man trying to tackle racism in law enforcement from the inside after experiencing it himself. When I was late teens, early 20s, I was coming out of the liquor store and, you know, two cops rode up and jumped out, pointed guns at me. You know, hands, 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 let me see your hands. Where's the gun? That's Gino Ferreira. He's a musician and a playwright from Oakland. And he says that day, when the cops stopped him at gunpoint, he tried to focus on their eyes. I just made sure my hands were up. And I'm like, I don't have a gun. I'm not armed. And they search me. And they're like, you know, somebody was shooting around the corner. They get back in the car and smash off. God, I mean, it's almost like... I didn't go home and write a poem about it or a speech. You know, I didn't start organizing. It was almost like a backdrop to life. It's like these things happen in our world every now and then. Gino says putting a stop to these kinds of terrifying encounters with police, it's a big part of his life's work. I felt like I needed to do something other than write a song. I need to see something that I'm doing working just to see if I could... If I could choose to not pull the trigger. We're devoting our whole show today to a documentary about Gino from reporter Teresa Katsarillas. She first produced a version of it for a radio program and podcast called World Affairs. I'm Sasha Coca, and this is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Alameda County Sheriff's Deputy Gino Ferreira was on patrol and about to wrap up his shift when the call came in over the radio. Well, yeah, it was just a call for shots fired. I showed up and there was a man dead in a parking lot. The man was black and he had been shot by several deputies. Bystanders were crowded inside a nearby thrift store. I'm thinking I was blocks away from this when it happened. And, you know, this is, you know, what is this? What is this going to turn into? Is this another debate? Is this, what is this? What is this about to be?
Jinyu grew up in West Oakland, and he says before he was a cop, he didn't trust them very much. This is the historic home of the Black Panthers. When you stop racism, you stop brutality and murder black people by the racist occupying army in our black community. That's what we're going to stop. What's being done to us? You dig it? In the 80s and 90s, it was the kind of place where your average classroom Kwanzaa celebration overflowed into the hallways. Genio's mom was a former Nation of Islam teacher who worked for the local power company. She raised her son on a steady diet of black revolutionary theory. He listened to Public Enemy and NWA. And not the other color, so police think they have the authority to kill a minority. It was the height of the crack epidemic. This is it. The drug so powerful it will empty the money from your pockets, make you sell the clothes off your back. That public health crisis fueled crime, and in 1992, Oakland's homicide rate peaked at 175 murders a year. Guys around the corner that we looked up to went to the pen for murder when I was like in the seventh or eighth grade. And there were people that we grew up with, you know, we loved them. But some people did call the police you're kind of choosing a lesser of two evils. In the late 1990s, a vigilante band of Oakland police officers allegedly kidnapped, beat, and falsely arrested countless West Oakland residents. The city eventually settled and agreed to pay $11 million to 119 different plaintiffs. When he got to high school, Jinyu tried to keep his head down. He focused on football. That's where I met my homeboy, Jihad. He was pretty much getting straight A's all through high school. He was a phenomenal athlete. He was the most politically aware of any of us. And he was a leader. Genius says Jihad had spent some time in Juvenile Hall. He'd had a revelation there. He became a Muslim. He changed his name. Genius says Jihad was the one who got him to really read The Destruction of Black Civilization. He even led a spontaneous walkout at their high school once, when administrators told him to stop talking during a school assembly. They both went to college on football scholarships. Genius went to Eastern Illinois, then transferred to SF State. Jihad went to UC Berkeley, and he was growing into a dedicated activist. He also came out. I was like, are you serious? He was like, yeah. You know, it was a trip because it never, it never crossed our minds. We just figured, you know, he always had a girl he was messing with, like, you know, five cities over that we would never meet. <laughs> he got involved in AIDS prevention and juvenile justice. But as the years went by, Genius says Jihad also started struggling with mental health issues. He had depression, started getting anxious. Then he started to self-medicate. He tried to get help, but had trouble getting into residential treatment programs. Sometimes he'd get high and get paranoid about law enforcement, and Gina would spend hours just sitting with him. I didn't feel in danger while I was with him. I was talking to a vulnerable person. I mean, there's this dude with all this potential, potential to do anything, an amazing person. And, and then in October, I'm burying Jihad and, like, literally shoveling dirt on his casket. A friend called Gino and told him what happened. He told me that Jihad was dead, and, and, and the police killed him. He ran into a restaurant, I think it's the Baghdad Cafe in San Francisco, and he grabbed some knives, 
he came outside and he was dancing around with the knives. And, you know, he was obviously having uh, some type of mental breakdown. And <laughs> two cops showed up. He supposedly uh, lunged at one of them and they shot him and he died. Cops aren't trained to deal with mental health crisis. I don't give a eight hour training they give cops. You're not trained to deal with that. And the love isn't there. Jihad's death made the news. Gina says those first few articles didn't mention that he'd gone to UC Berkeley or been a straight A student there. When I read the article in the paper, it said something to the effect of armed homeless man shouting racial and homophobic slurs is killed by police. The saddest part is Jihad was an activist. And, you know, I just imagine my friend having this mental breakdown where he's shouting all the things that the world calls him. I didn't protest. I didn't, I didn't organize. It was like the beast just kind of reached into my world and, and, and took somebody. You know, I can't leave it up to the guy that wrote that article about Jihad to tell the world about him. I can't leave it up to the police to tell the world about him. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's my job to tell the world about him. At this point, Genio had been rapping for years, casually at first, then more seriously. If I know music has calmed me down when I was emotionally in a position to do some drastic things. He was already going by the Piper, as in the Pied Piper, who led legions of children with his music. In 2003, he got together with two guys at an Oakland recording studio and started a new group called Flipside. There were three of them. Steve Knight is a white boy from Alabama. He had these amazing melodies. And then we met Dave Lopez. He's more of a bull, stubborn kind of guy. He's Chilean. His family moved up here after the coup in Chile when he was a kid. You know, his whole thing is I play guitar and I'm going to play guitar for freedom, play guitar for empowerment. I think if you go back and look through all our songs, pretty much 90, 95% of it deals with how this system victimizes people. The group took off. Flipside traveled the world with Snoop Dogg, Akon, and the Black Eyed Peas. In 2006, NBC made their song Someday the theme song for their Winter Olympics coverage. That's Genio rapping, by the way. That song was written at like 2 in the morning, eating cold Chinese food on Steve's birthday. I was definitely thinking about all of my homies, the ones that aren't, aren't here any longer. We believe that we represent what a large portion of this world wants and strives for, and, and the music that we create is medicinal. But they were always a bigger deal abroad than they were back home. Gino says U.S. radio stations didn't really know what to make of Flipside. 
The group's music reflects its different cultures, so it's genre-defying. It's this scrappy mix of rap and rock vocals with acoustic guitar. But in America, the radio stations are largely segregated, even though Flipside is what America sells to the rest of the world. It's a melting pot, and you know, everyone's together. I'm carrying everything with me, all the people that have passed away with me, and I'm working as hard as I possibly can, and things, you know, just begin to fall apart. Two new videos surfaced today in the shooting death of a young man New Year's Day by a BART police officer. Let him go! In the early hours of New Year's Day 2009, Oscar Grant was shot by a white police officer on the platform of Oakland's Fruitvale Station. He was a 22-year-old unarmed black man. His death was filmed by bystanders. I remember watching it. When he shot him, it was just like a jolt went through me. Tears immediately came to my eyes. You know, Johannes Meserly shoots him in the back while he's laying face down. And it just, it hurts so bad. And I just felt something had to be done, period. Something had to be done. Please don't shoot. So I go to the protest, and there's thousands of people there. And I remember a, a journalist was interviewing artists. And he said, what can we do as artists to make sure this never happens again? I'm standing in a circle of artists. It's like I'm the only one on a major label. Gino says Flipside was floundering a little at that point. I have a gold record in India. My homies back in Oakland weren't listening to our music. I'm, I'm pretty sure the police weren't. What can we do as an artist to make sure this doesn't happen again? As an artist, we can create something and hope that it has an impact. But what can we do? There's one person that decided to pull the trigger to kill my partner Jihad. He was a cop. If a miracle happens and we get rid of this cop, who's going to replace him? Became the question. And I looked around at the protest and people were passionate. People were in tears, people were chanting. I loved everybody there. I loved all of them. It was all different races, ages, you know, people were coming from everywhere. And I couldn't imagine anyone there replacing him which meant the cop who killed Oscar Grant would be replaced by someone who thought the way he did and could make the same mistakes. I sat with that for a while. And I started to think, you know what? I should start thinking about going into law enforcement. When Gino told his family about this, they were terrified for him. A few of his relatives were angry. What was he doing joining a system as white supremacist as law enforcement? What could he possibly expect to change? Genie was pretty sure he wouldn't be allowed to become a cop anyway. You know, I've been arrested before. I had homies in a pen. I've been all over the world rapping in front of Snoop's weed plants. You know what I'm saying? Making crowds chant all kinds of stuff against the government and against the police. 
Then he ran into a friend who'd gone into law enforcement. He told Jinyu that he could enroll himself in a police academy if he was willing to pay his own way. It would cost around five grand. I felt like I needed to do something other than write a song. I need to see something that I'm doing working just to see if I could, if I could choose to not pull the trigger. And I found out where the next academy was. I went and I paid the money and I went in. The academy that Jinyu went to was for the Alameda County Sheriff's Department. They respond to calls in 14 Bay Area cities, including Oakland, and they run the local jail system. On Jinyu's first day, he walked into a classroom with over 50 other recruits. Only five of them were black men. You know, I expected hillbillies. I expected just madness. And when you're in there, it's it's eye-opening, and you see... Uh, all these people being trained, and a lot of them are good dudes. It's just like being on a football team. People call law enforcement a brotherhood for a reason. The officers who trained them were tough and protective. You know, and their whole thing is, my students will survive the battle. They will live. You watch videos of cops being killed, and they, and they pick those videos apart. You know, why was this cop killed? He was careless in his stance. He, he, he wasn't, you know, at a proper angle. You know, it's the traffic stop that you least expect that's going to kill you. If they watched any videos where the cops were the ones that killed people, well, Gino doesn't remember that part. I talked to Alameda County Sheriff spokesperson Sergeant Ray Kelly, and he says the department now includes videos of officer-involved shootings in their trainings. But they didn't when Gino was in the academy. Jinyu also says they didn't really go into the history of the black and brown communities they'd be policing. I remember being in the locker room and uh, a guy was asking me, you know, some white dude, he was asking me questions about the test that we were about to take. (laughs) And I said, you know, it's kind of like I went down this rabbit hole and I related it to, you know, Plessy versus Ferguson. You know, a Supreme Court case. And he's just looking at me with this blank look on his face. You know, like, he doesn't care about any of that. It's like, what is, what's going to be the answer to the question on the test? You know, it's all he was interested in. He's not going that deep. You know, but the problem is, you know, if you don't go that deep, if you're not considering history and economics and politics and how it is, you know, brutalized and disenfranchised Black people over 400 years, then you run the risk of upholding white supremacy by just doing your job, you know? Gino honestly expected them to kick him out of the academy, but he did well there. Like, I graduated, I think, second. I gave the speech at the graduation. Then Gino was on the force, policing some of the same neighborhoods he was raised in. There was a call with a, there was a black man with a knife at a bar. He was the only one there. And he was threatening a bartender and wouldn't pay. And, you know, I responded. I was the first dude on scene. The woman was screaming. I just ran in. You know, I saw him. We definitely made eye contact. And he kind of just paused. And he looked at me. Did you have your gun out? I don't even remember. 
I think I, as a matter of fact, yeah, if I'm going into a building, yeah, I'm pretty sure I have my gun out. But I don't know when I put it up. I don't remember all that. I mean, he backed away from the bar. That's it. Like, and when I got in, I didn't see a knife in his hand. And I just remember talking to him. After a few seconds, you know, he got down on the ground. You know, and then other cops responded. And they put him in handcuffs. And, um, and that was it. That was it. Um, it wasn't until after that, you know, that I, that I thought about Jihad. You know, if I was that cop, would I have pulled the trigger? Now that Genio was in law enforcement, certain details about Jihad's death stood out to him. Like the way the cops said Jihad lunged at them with a knife. I know how we were trained in the academy, and I know what use of force laws matter, and I know how the reports are going to be written. And, you know, pretty much determine whether or not the cop is going to get off. Like, cops can do a lot. Legally. Like, being in law enforcement and being trained, you know, you'll see, you'll read an article where a cop shot somebody. Or, like, you'll see it happen. (laughs) You'll think to yourself, that was legal. But he shouldn't have done it. Like, I wouldn't have done it. It turns out the cop who shot Jihad has done a lot of things that Gino says he never would have done. Two years after he killed Jihad, SFPD officer Michael Sellis was charged with misconduct. He allegedly flashed his badge and tried to bribe his way into his estranged wife's hotel room. His department confiscated his service weapon, but Sellis bought his own gun a day later. Sellis was also one of 14 SFPD officers who were caught exchanging racist and homophobic text messages with each other. When the cops say that Jihad, you know, lunged at them with a knife, do you think that's actually what happened? I don't know. I don't know. Jihad's domestic partner, Tim Sillard, was a San Francisco assistant district attorney. He filed a wrongful death lawsuit on behalf of Jihad's parents in 2003, but nothing ever came of it. As a deputy, these questions disturbed Shinyo. He couldn't stop thinking about them, and so, in his off hours, he wrote a one-man theatrical performance about them. Cops and Robbers tracks the fallout from an officer-involved shooting. Shinyo plays the cop, the victim, and 15 other characters. It was originally performed at the Marsh in Berkeley. They already shot one of us. <laughs> dying in a jail right That's it, Marie. Come on down, Marie. That's it. That's it. Hey, put the gun down, Marie. Put the gun down, Marie. I thought I would get fired for doing the play, and it translated into a sergeant giving me a call. And he said he had heard about the play, and he was starting this unit. It was the Alameda County Sheriff's Department's new outreach unit. You can't have community policing if the community isn't healthy and functioning. So there are all these other factors. There's economics, there's health and nutrition. So my unit was saying, well, if we help the community to fix these problems, we're fighting crime. 
The Youth and Family Bureau Crime Prevention Unit started running after-school activities. They worked with therapists and neighborhood leaders. Jinu talked in schools and worked with kids. He also toured the country performing his play and talking about their work. He says his particular team was open-minded, working hard. But as the years went by, the sheriff's department was also rocked by scandals. Like this one in 2015. The suspect beaten in an alley by a pair of Bay Area sheriff's deputies. And this one in 2018. The county sheriff's office is now facing felony charges accused of secretly recording young suspects as they spoke with their legal team. So-called good cops and community policing cops around the country have done a terrible job of protecting the community from bad cops. They've done a terrible job of that. Gino says a lot of community leaders he talked to didn't trust law enforcement to run after-school programs. They just wanted them to go away. You're building in a community and these different programs that you have in a community, and you're saying that you want to serve and protect the community, but you're not protecting it from the dude next to you that's wearing a uniform. It's like they have no reason to trust you. Like, trust is built on sacrifice. What are you sacrificing? The community's not stupid. And that brings us back to the man dead in the parking lot and the thrift store full of bystanders, the officer-involved shooting that Genia responded to. When he got to the scene, he tried to figure out what had happened. It was a cop motorcycle that had been, like, tipped over. We had to, like, interview people, you know, get statements, and everybody has a different job to do. The details came out later. The man the deputies shot was named Chris Ballard, and he was allegedly trying to shoplift from the thrift store. According to the Alameda County Sheriff's Department, Ballard tried to make a break for it in his car, and the deputies got tangled in his open car door as he drove away. They say Ballard dragged them about 20 feet, and they opened fire to stop him. Gino didn't know any of this yet. He remembers thinking, well, maybe this shooting was justified. But maybe it wasn't. And at some point down the line, if I stay here long enough, will I be the one who pulls the trigger? It just added to what I was already thinking. Is this gonna, is this gonna be my life? He'd been a deputy for eight years. After the shooting, he turned in his badge. Gino stops short of advocating for defunding the police. But he thinks cities should reallocate funding to other programs, address the root problems that create crime in the first place. There needs to be a tactical and a police response for some things, but there are community organizations that are just, you know, far too weak right now and they need to be strengthened. Working in law enforcement is hard. It's, it's the most difficult years of my life. I'm also proud of the time that I spent in there. At the same time, there isn't an American institution that doesn't participate in anti-blackness. Law enforcement is just the most visceral, the most impactful. It kills people. Now, I don't know what to leave people with. I don't really have any words of wisdom or, or anything. This is just, you know, some of my story. I can't breathe. Oh, I can't breathe. He and Flipside have gotten back together again. They're cranking out about a song a month. And he's working on a TV series inspired by his experiences in law enforcement. And he's protesting. 
I'm proud of the people in the streets because I honestly didn't think that I would see like a mass movement of all different peoples from around the world coming together for for this cause. Felt like we had to do everything ourselves. And I was prepared to do that, to see these people out in the streets demanding a different world. Uh, it's, it's humbling, it's humbling. All I want to do is protect them and make sure they're okay. But they drop a steel. See my brother screaming for his life. Man, the devil's real. Look, I gave the badge back and kept the gun. Vest too. Got a wife and daughter and a couple sons. Bless you. If you in the struggle, then you recognize respect to you. Allies to Joseph. That was Gino Ferreira. The song you're hearing is called I Can't Breathe, and it's one of Flipside's new releases. This story was reported and produced by Teresa Katsarillas. She originally produced a version for World Affairs, a weekly podcast and radio show. Special thanks to Joanne Elgart Jennings and Jared Sport, who originally edited and produced this piece. The California Report magazine is a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Victoria Mauleon is our senior editor. Our director is Amanda Font. Our producer this week is Marisol Medina Cadena. Our technical producer is Rob Spate, and Ariella Markowitz is our intern. I'm Sasha Coca. This is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors, like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.